Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times bestselling author and pastor Mark Batterson. They discuss how to hear the voice of God and seven love languages God will use to speak to you. We welcome Mark Batterson to the Praise Program. All one hour, we are going to be what, Mark? Whispering, and uh, we want to talk about the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God. How do you want to get started with this, uh, Mark? Let's, let's get into this subject. It is an amazing subject, all one hour. Go for it, sir. All right. Well, might as well start the way the book starts, Matt and Lori. You know, more than half a century ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as an otolaryngologist. Now, that's an ear, nose, throat specialist. A opera singer came to see him because he had lost his ability to hit certain notes, even though those notes were within his octave range. And so some people thought it was a vocal problem, but Dr. Tomatis thought it might be a hearing problem. And so he used a sonometer to measure the opera singer's voice, discovered that that opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. In other words, that's louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. He was deafened by the sound of his own voice. And Dr. Tomatis said this, the ear, uh, the voice cannot reproduce what the ear cannot hear. In other words, he couldn't hit the note anymore because he couldn't hear the note. And the French Academy of Medicine calls it the Tomatis effect. And I might suggest that we all have lots of problems, but I wonder if our fundamental problem is ears that have been deafened by the sound of our own voice. It's the inability to hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay, first of all, that is literally one of the most amazing prologues and one of the most amazing ways to introduce the subject of hearing the voice of God as a whisper. The question is, why doesn't, just, why doesn't God just yell, uh, you know, from heaven and just completely get our attention and, and do it that way. Let's, let's, let's figure out why he's whispering. So what's, what's, your, yeah, what's, your, what's right? your take on, on why God is whispering and not just yelling over our own internal white noise and monologue? Yeah. Right. Well, Matt and Lori, uh, I wonder if you had the same experience when, when our kids were very young, occasionally, I would use a very uh, whispery voice because I wanted them to have to get really close to me mm. to hear me. Mm. And, and they would kind of inch in, inch in. And then you know what I would do? I would reach out and grab them and give them a hug mm. from, from their dad because um, that idea of the whisper is that you have to get near enough to hear a very soft voice. And I think God wants us to draw near to him. Mm. And so he doesn't yell over us. He just uses uses that still small voice so that we will draw close to him. And Matt and Lori, when we do, 
We have a Heavenly Father who loves giving us one of those uh, embraces, one of those hugs. And uh, so he loves us so much that he speaks in a still small voice. I'm reminded of when the children of Israel were around uh, in the wilderness and God used his outdoor voice because he apparently has one. Everyone (laughs) scattered and ran and told Moses, whoa, 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 whoa. Go tell God to talk to you. You tell us what he says. So the idea that God has or could use an outdoor voice, uh, most of the time, if we want, he wants intimacy with us, so he's whispering. Okay, so now we, we're, we're like a couple of minutes into the show, and we've got the setup completely done. God is whispering for intimacy with his children, with his people, but we're tone deaf because we have so many voices and, and we're using our outdoor voices. Our brains are telling us uh, all sorts of negative things. Our minds are drifting. Uh, we're hearing negativity and we just don't have the capacity to, in essence, say what God says because we're deaf to it because we're not listening to the right thing. We've got to get close to God, intimate to God, his voice, so that we can repeat what he says because unless we're saying something God says, we're kind of wasting everybody's time anyway. Mm -hmm. So where do you want to go from here? Because um, the book is uniquely written in two parts. You have some love languages or ways that God wants to communicate to us. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to know what he's saying. Uh, We just have white noise, you know, problems. Yeah, yeah. I would say, Matt and Lori up front, let's, let's deal with the issue at hand. It's awfully hard to hear the still small voice of God if if all of these other voices are coming at you. And so uh, there's the voice of culture, and it's awfully loud right now. Um, In fact, I would ask this question. What percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a regurgitation of the news you're watching and the social media you're following? And what percentage is a revelation that you're getting from God's word? Mm. We've got to be really dialed in right now. I would also say there's the voice of criticism. There are those who are listening right now, Matt and Lori, that someone said that they couldn't do something or you aren't this or you aren't that. And you know what? You put too much stock in it. Listen, no, you are who God says you are. Yeah. And to believe anything less is to believe a lie. And then there's the voice of condemnation, the accuser of the brethren who is constantly hurling accusations. And then there's our inner voice, you know, about 60,000 thoughts every single day, about 80% of them, according to the Cleveland Clinic, are negative. So we have this internal monologue. Well, God can't get a word in edgewise. And so what we've got to do is learn to dial out some of those other voices and then tune up and and, uh, turn on the voice of God. And of course, what one simple way to do that, when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth and uh, God begins to to speak. That same spirit that inspired those writers is also helping us as readers 
hear it and it comes alive and we don't just read it, it reads us. And then the word of God becomes living and active within us. How do we, how do we get started? You know, uh, Mark, you live in Washington, D.C. If there was ever a noisy place that puts a lot of imagery in your mind and all that, how do we get started dialing down negativity, everything else, and hearing that still small voice? So let's, let's try to give some steps here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wonder if it doesn't start for us the same way it started for the prophet Samuel. As a young boy, God is speaking to him, but he's not sure who's talking or what's happening. And a wise uh, priest named Eli says, well, why, why don't you just say this? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I think it starts right there. It's a willingness to hear what God has to say. And I would say this, if you aren't willing to listen to everything that God has to say, you won't hear anything he has to say. And what I mean by that is this, we we have to listen to the voice of conviction Mm -hmm. if we want to hear the voice of comfort. Mm -hmm. We we have to listen to... uh, the voice of truth, if we want to hear the voice of grace. And so there has to be almost a willingness to submit ourselves and to submit our ear to that still small voice of the Spirit. And uh, and then the Spirit of God begins speaking some of those life-giving words. And, and I do think it starts with that uh, first love language with Scripture itself. Yeah. You know, you talk about that everything began with a whisper. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, Lori, don't you love this? That in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Four words. Those four words are still creating galaxies at the outer edge of the universe. (laughs) And so it's almost like creation is God's way of saying, look what I can do with four words. Mm -hmm. And then what are you worried about? It kind of puts things in perspective. And so uh, his voice is love, his voice is joy, his voice is healing, his voice is power, his voice is grace. And if we would just hear that voice, it would begin that healing process in our lives. You also, Mark, write about finding kind of a uh, whispering spot. Um, So obviously, whisper is our theme today. Uh, we've established that the Lord is really whispering, using a whisper voice for the intimacy. And he's looking for those, seek me and I will be found. You know, he's, he's always kind of wooing us to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we have internal thoughts that are overpowering what we're thinking about ourselves or what somebody else said about us or any other cultural thing, uh, we are now quite noised out and we are not tuned in to the still small voice of love and, and everything like that. Okay, whispering spot, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a, a fun fact that uh, if you visit the U.S. Capitol, there, there's uh, the 
Statuary Hall, there's this famous place where evidently on one side, members of Congress could be speaking in a whisper, but because of the architecture, the acoustics, you could hear that whisper on the other side of the room, and it's actually called the Whispering Spot. And I bet a few people who have toured the Capitol have had a tour guide actually show them that very place uh, with that rotunda. And so the idea there was, let's find a whispering place. And Matt and Lori, it's been different places for me over the years. When I was in college, it was the chapel balcony during lunch hour. I would just go up there and I would pace back and forth, and I, I learned to pray in that chapel balcony. Right now, I'm coming to you from Ebenezer's, and I, I know I wish you were here so we could share a cup of coffee. Yes, exactly. right, right above Ebenezer's. I love praying up on the rooftop. One, it gives me a, a panoramic view of Washington, D.C., but it's also me praying in a place where God did a miracle. And so sometimes you just go back to those special places. In fact, my imagination sometimes get, gets carried away, but I wonder if David ever went back to the Valley of Elah, to that place where he mm. defeated Goliath, mm. or... Did did Joshua ever go back and say, this is where the sun stood mm. still? Did Moses go back to that burning bush and say, this is where God changed the trajectory of my life? Did, did Peter ever row out on the Sea of Galilee and mm. uh, say, this, this is where I walked on water? And I wonder if Paul ever rode out on that, on that road to Damascus and say, this is where God knocked me off of my high horse. <laughs> you, you have to go back to the places where God has spoken to you. And, and right now, I bet the Holy Spirit is jogging the memory of folks who are watching this because there are places where you have heard the voice of God. And so sometimes you just have to go back to the last place where you heard God's voice. You know, we often hear about um, everybody wanting a voice. Everybody's shouting. Everybody wants to be heard. But yet, most people don't have anything to say, Mark. <laughs> We're listening to. Can I actually right. say that? <laughs> I think you. I think you I just think said you it. Just I think yeah. I did. <laughs> and I and I and Lori, I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, instead of worrying about people listening to us, what what if we focused on? Lord, give me something to say. Give yeah. me a word of encouragement. Get, in fact. Give me a prophetic word for someone's mm -hmm. life, even a word of knowledge, something that is going to be life-giving. Mm -hmm. And so I think a prophetic voice really starts with a prophetic ear. It's an ear that's consecrated to the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I don't want that to sound super spiritual. I, I really believe in what the theologian Karl Barth said. He said, read have a read the newspaper and read your Bible, but here's the key: filter the newspaper through your Bible. Mm -hmm. In other words, make sure that uh, Scripture gets that first word and that final word. And uh, on that news, I would even say, don't just watch the news; let's pray the news. Yeah. And uh, when when we do that, now we're not just letting things happen; now we're making things happen. Yeah. I'm reminded of uh, something I heard on television on Christian TV the other day, GWFW, GWLW. 
God's word, first word, God, God's word, last word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, thank you, Rick Warren, for that. <laughs> I'll give him credit. Um, what you're talking about is something that when I heard Rick say that, it's, it's really an amazing thought. What is your first thing in the mm-hmm. morning? Grab your phone. Uh, what's your last thing? Check your email. Mm-hmm. What is it? And Lori and I have been very specific for a number of years that literally the last thing we do is read one of the chronological Bibles all the way through. Then we start the beginning again, read it all the way through, start the beginning. So we've probably read through a version of a chronological Bible seven or eight times in the last three or four years. And the the idea that what we're talking about here is orienting our lives to be able to be a voice for God. But unless you've shut off all the noise, tuned in, gotten close to hear the whisper, you're really just giving your opinion and no one cares about anyone's opinion. Uh, I've I've heard the old (laughs) adage, everyone's got a rear end and everybody has an opinion. And so at some point, we want to... start forgetting our opinion and be voices for God because that's all anyone is changed by anyway. Everything was once a whisper. Uh, God said, let there be light. Now, I'm not sure if that was a whisper, Matt. Matt, That might have been the outside voice, but (laughs) God breathes into the dust and Adam becomes a living being. In a sense, every dimension of creation is a reflection of those four words. And those four words are still creating those galaxies. And so the voice of God is the genesis of everything. And it's just amazing. It's mind boggling, right? Because, you know, our voices are pretty much good for talking and singing. And yet here's the voice of God that has this ability to turn water into wine that can stand up in a boat and rebuke the wind and say to the waves, peace, be still. And nature has to obey its creator. And so uh, it's not about our volume, it's not even about the combination of the 26 letters of the English alphabet. It's really about hearing the voice of God, and that voice is love and light and and peace and joy and a thousand other things. I love it. You know, you know, you're you're known uh, as a man of prayer. You know, you've written the the prayer circle, but you've talked so much that I think has blessed so many people about the bravest prayer, Mark. And, mm. and for some people, that's a hard prayer sometimes, um, just believing and believing. And your own testimony uh, has been such an, an amazing story for so many people. Can you talk about the bravest prayer? Well, on July 2nd, 2016, I felt prompted to pray a brave prayer. I had asthma, severe asthma for 40 years. It was my first memory as a child. Uh, I would sleep with an inhaler under my pillow, played basketball with an inhaler in my sock. And so it, it seemed impossible but I felt like God wanted me to pray this prayer of faith that he would heal my lungs. Now, uh, Lori, 
part of why I call it a brave prayer is because I had asked God hundreds of times, Mm -hmm. but it hadn't happened. But you know what? I just felt like I needed to continue to ask, continue to believe. And so that was uh, more than four and a half years ago. I have not touched an inhaler. Uh, As you know, I went and ran the Chicago Marathon to celebrate Mm -hmm. that miracle. And Mm -hmm. so I, I just... Don't don't you sometimes feel like you're just living on borrowed time? Like it's all gravy yeah. from here forward. <laughs> like just God is so good. Yes. And and that miracle just changed my life because now anything's possible. You know, the way you steward a miracle, I think, is by believing God for even bigger and better miracles. And so when you experience victory, now you have spiritual authority. to begin exercising that faith and exercising that testimony, not just for you, but for other people in your life. What do you say to the people that um, you talk, you give a lot of stories in in this book uh, about hearing God's voice for Ebenezer's, for where you were supposed to live and some some of those things that didn't happen, Mm. that took time. But then it all came back around, you know, your home, all that stuff. <laughs> what about for people that have have felt that they heard God's voice and stepped mm. out, but it didn't happen right then? What yeah. do you say? Well, Matt and Lori, the first thing I would say is that I have been there and done that. Uh, our very first attempt at church planting was a failure. And it was confusing and embarrassing. And yet now I look back and see how God used that to get us from Chicago to Washington, D.C. And so we're like, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I think someday we will thank God for the prayers that he didn't answer the way that we asked as much as the ones that he did answer because God is omniscient. And and I want to be I want to be careful here because every prayer has to pass a twofold litmus test. It has to be in the will of God and for the glory of God. This isn't about us outlining our agenda to God or telling him when or where or how to do what he does. This is about us exercising the faith. I have a question today for everybody who's watching. Is he able? Mm-hmm. Listen, he's not just able. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. And so uh, don't don't give up on God. God has not given up on you. See, now I wouldn't call that church plant a failure because I know God, you know, even though it looks and I we've done it over and over again. Thinking that things, but then you look and back. Over, and over, and <laughs> but if you look back, you say, "But if that doesn't, if that didn't fail, then we wouldn't be yes. where we are today." So I don't think yep. I don't think you can fail because God turns it all around for your good. Even those uh, things that look like so a good. failure that I believed took all my faith. I remember saying to God one day tears streaming down my face. We had given everything that we had and then some to to something that absolutely was with a marked stroke of a pen done. And we lost it all. And I remember Mm -hmm. I was raised in the faith movement. I remember going and sitting on my piano, tears streaming down my face going, 
my God, if that's not faith, then I don't have any idea what faith is. And I was kind of wrecked. And I remember, I don't play the piano well, but I just started tinkering this little song. And, and I could just, and I started singing what I felt the Lord was saying. If you only knew the plans that I had for you, if you yeah. only knew where I wanted to take you, you would not be crying today, you know? And so I think that if you, what we call failure, I always say, well, if, if I fail, then I fell forward for sure. Because I don't think yes. we can fail when we used faith. Faith and trust oh, in so, God. Because you wouldn't be so where good. you are. You'd no, be over in Chicago. No, and <laughs> I know, right? And it's freezing in the wintertime in Chicago. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, isn't it interesting that there are so many things in life that you wouldn't want to go through them again? Yes. Right. So but true. you wouldn't trade them for anything That's in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And there are valuable lessons. Lori, could I, could I share a story that I think is going to be meaningful um, to folks? And yes. it's something I just came across recently. Uh, you know, Beethoven, of course, the, the famous composer, 45-year career, I think 722 symphonies, yes. sonatas, concertos. You know, he lost his hearing later in life, and he was devastated. I mean, imagine his whole life is making music, and then he can't hear it. Well, it's interesting to me that many would consider his Ninth Symphony as one of the greatest musical achievements of not just his career, but of any musician. And there's a theory amongst uh biographers and, and it's this because he went from using like 80 percent high notes in early in his career to then beginning to hit lower octaves and the argument is this that beethoven stopped listening to those external voices stopped listening to other composers and he started listening to this voice that was in his head and now all of a sudden he starts producing music that's even better because it's not outside in it's inside out wow. and i think it's a beautiful illustration mm -hmm. of what happens when we begin to uh, really dial into that still small voice of the holy spirit we hope you're enjoying the praise podcast we'll get back to the interview soon god's words create our words fall out of our mouth and slam down onto the ground in front of us. Our words mean nothing. And if we're not able to hear that still small voice, the difference between what the world could be like and what the world is like um, is the difference between whether we have everyone in our viewing audience tuning in correctly to hear something mm -hmm. God is saying my parents did that 45 years ago when they were in a car leaving an event that they had put together that was very successful. And the Lord said to my parents, I've released you from your work here. My dad looked at my mom in the car and said, honey, you're not going to believe what the <laughs> Lord just said. And she said, no, I will. He just said the same thing to me. I've released you from your work here. 45 years, almost 50 years later, 31 television networks 
are associated to the Trinity Broadcasting Network globally, and millions of people are being uh, reached in their, hundreds of millions of people are being reached in their native language. TBN is in 16 different languages, preaching the gospel 24 hours a day, and we are partied to 31 different television networks. What was that? It was mm. one wow. simple little whisper in the car yes. leaving an event yes. in Hollywood, California. So don't tell me mm. God's words no. aren't making the difference globally. Yeah. Our words don't mean anything. We're trying to get you to hear something that literally changes the world as you know it. So for God's sakes, Mark, help us get to the point <laughs> where we stop using our words and we repeat God's words. Help us, please. Well, Matt, it's his word that will not return void. Uh, Isaiah 55, Jeremiah 1:12. He's watching over his word to perform it. There is power in the word of God. Don't, don't you love? There's this old, there's this old hymn. A mighty fortress is our God, and there's one little line of lyrics that I love. That one word shall fell him. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. That this is the God who can say, Lazarus come forth. And a man four days dead has to obey the voice of his creator. Uh, three words and that storm, peace, be still. And then of course, those four words, let there be light. I mean, this is the God who with his words creates and heals and changes. And so let's uh, maybe put a little bit less stock in our words yeah. and a little bit more stock in the word of God. And that means, well, if you want to get a word from God, you've got to get into the word of yeah. God. And then his word begins to come to life. And now you have a promise to stand on, right? Mm -hmm. Now now you have something to declare. In fact, man, let me just keep pushing this envelope. There comes a moment where you stop talking to the mountain. Uh, you stop talking to God about the mountain. You start talking to the mountain about God. You yeah. begin declaring his promises. There comes a moment where you have to declare his favor. If God is for me, who can be against right. me? You have to declare his goodness. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day of, his, of, his, of my life. You have to declare uh, his faithfulness. Did you know the very first responsibility of discipleship when you follow a rabbi in Judaism, the, the first responsibility is to memorize that rabbi's words. Wow. Well, I think we would be a lot further ahead if we would memorize the words of Jesus and then declare them with holy confidence because they are full of power and they're true. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Mark. <laughs> Anybody that writes a book about how to hear the voice of God should have an experience that got you to the point where you wanted to write this book, and I'll say it, you don't, you don't have to say it, but I hope you're an expert at this because let me, just, let me just tell you my issue. If I shut off my head, uh, it, it's like I, 
I re I'm remembering the last email that I needed to answer, uh, a text, a phone call that I got. You know, all of a sudden, all this stuff is just in your head. It's like, what the heck? You know, I mean, how do you start training your brain to shut off and listen, for goodness sakes? You know, my brain doesn't do that naturally. Uh, Lori, I don't know what Matt's talking about, do you? No. Well, I'm a woman, so yes, I know exactly what he's saying. Normally it comes a little oh, easier for man. men, but... <laughs> Listen, Matt, everybody who's watching right now, I think, is chuckling and smiling because it's all of these thoughts that, mm -hmm. I mean, well... You know, I share a study in the book. Um, it was, I think, an audiologist named Gordon Hempton who said that, you know, he was looking for kind of quiet places, places where there was no noise uh, for, I think, a 15-minute span. And he said that there are only 12 quiet places left in the United States of America. And um, Washington, D.C. is not one of them. <laughs> Clearly. And so what we have to do is uh, almost put on some noise-canceling headphones and kind of dial out some of that white noise and um, and really— and there are ways to do this. I, I mean, it, some people are more auditory than visual in terms of learning. I would recommend an, an audio Bible. Just, you know, listen to it and let that be something that begins to shape uh that, that cerebral cortex, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Those words begin to reshape. It's, it's the renewing of the mind, Romans chapter 12. And before you know it, as you get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into you, now you begin to have the mind of Christ. And, uh, and then you, you delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37, and now he begins to give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And it, it, is a, it is a game changer. And mm -hmm. I, I don't want this to sound simpler than it is. You know, my, my wife and I have been married uh, 28 years. Yay. We got married young. <laughs> I love it. And uh, we have known each other a long, long time. <laughs> you know what? She doesn't even need to say anything at this point. All yeah. she needs to do is that little expression, that little, <laughs> you know, I, I can kind of read the eyebrow or the, <laughs> the, 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 the smile or the, you know, what, whatever, the body language. And, and that's, that's what it, it's like when you grow in relationship with God. You begin to pick up on a few more of those prompts. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I would say one more thing. Don't be discouraged today if you're like, well, I, I just, I don't know how to hear his voice. Well, remember this. It's like learning any second language. It's going to take time. You have to begin to train your ear to hear different sounds and, and train your voice to say different sounds. To You know, I, I took Spanish and yo hablo en poco español after four <laughs> years. I had to learn how to roll my R's so that I could say pero in a way that sounded a little bit better than what I just said. Learning, learning the voice of God is so similar to learning Spanish or Chinese or Russian or German. It's a language that you acquire over time and you do it through relationship 
with the Holy Spirit. So out of all the, so you talk, you have seven love language, not love languages. Yeah, no, yeah, love, love languages. They're called that yeah. in the book. Um, yeah. What's the hardest one? <laughs> oh, that's an easy answer. You just, I feel like you just put the ball on the tee, Lori, <laughs> and set me up. I mean, the, the hardest one is pain. The, the yeah. voice, you, you know, so God speaks through scripture and that's the first language and the other six have to be filtered through it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got desires, doors, dreams, you've got promptings, people and pain. It's that voice of pain. We don't mm-hmm. like that voice, but if we don't learn from it, we're going to end up right back in that same place. And so in many ways, those who cannot experience pain, for, for example, leprosy, that's the issue with leprosy is that you hurt yourself because the, the pain sensations are no longer sent to the brain. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I would liken the conviction of the Holy Spirit to those nerve endings that they're painful, but we need to hear them so that we avoid the things that are going to hurt us and hurt the people around us. And so learning the language of pain is very, very difficult, but I feel like it's one of those uh, critical languages uh, for us to learn. So pain could push you away from God, or it can drive you to him. And it's really your choice. And so there's a lot of ways that we're talking about hearing the voice of the Lord. And don't, you know, I remember the old timer, Paul Bilheimer wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea that there are things in your life that you might not understand at the moment, but that's when you need to tune in to God, what do you want them to experience, Mark, kind of uh, after they've walked through this book? What, how and what are they going to, how are they going to change? What's the benefit of walking through this book? Well, I think at the end of the book, my desire is that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit would be the loudest voice in your life. And there's a process to go through um, to turning down the volume on some other things and turning up the volume on that still small voice. And so I think we learn from scripture how God speaks in, let's be honest, strange and mysterious ways. I mean, come on, if God can speak through Balaam's donkey, I, I think anything is fair game. And so isn't it great that we have a God who Yes, he can speak between 20 and 20,000 hertz, which is our range of hearing. But really, more often than not, he speaks in ultrasonic and infrasonic ways. And so his voice, oh, Matt and Lori, I don't even know how to say it other than I love his voice. I crave his voice. I want to hear his voice. And and if if we had better hearing, you would hear him say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in yes. whom I am well pleased. You would begin to hear God speak over your life. Do you know that Psalm 32, that God is singing songs of deliverance all around you? Did you know that Zephaniah, he is rejoicing over you with singing? And so may we have ears to hear is what Jesus said, ears to hear and uh, a heart to receive the God who loves us so much and uh, speaks in that wonderful whisper. It's beautiful. You know, it feels like 
uh, going back to the very beginning where we started, the epilogue of this book is profound. Uh, the Tomatis effect, there was a, a oratologist or something like that. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. <laughs> there was yes. an ear doctor. And yes, there you go. He was diagnosing the fact that a singer, an opera singer, couldn't uh, hit certain notes, and everyone, you know, assumed it was a vocal problem or a vocal cord problem. Dr. Tomatis thought maybe it's a hearing problem. So we can't reproduce what we can't hear. And if we're not hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing the promises, knowing the goodness that he is, and we can't repeat that to others and make a difference in others' lives yeah. because his words are going to change people. Our words probably are going to screw up people. So this is not, this is not something that is kind of a good idea. This is something that I think is critical to changing people globally. Mark, I love, again, the way you kind of began the book. Uh, I'll read just a little touch out of, the, out of the epilogue. Would you be willing to pray a bold prayer at the beginning of this book? It's an ancient prayer. It's a prayer that can change the trajectory of your life. And, and it's, it's really a simple little seven-word prayer. Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. Kind of walk people through that prayer. Let's, let's get people started, even before the book is in their home, get them started with this idea here. And if you would, Mark, also pray uh, for this word in general, this word, the, the hearing the voice of God, to be received into us. Just yes. kind of Pray for the audience, get them started on this as uh, we start learning how to hear the voice of God in a brand new way. Yeah, it, it almost starts with Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I, I dare say, Matt and Lori, that there's no one watching us right now who wouldn't say, my life is a little too busy and my life is a little too loud. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's all of us. And so... Uh, how do we intentionally quiet ourselves to make sure that we can hear his voice? Now, the beautiful thing is that God can speak to each one of us in an absolutely unique way. In fact, I talk in the book about how God speaks in billions of dialects, right? Because he knows our history. He knows our personality. He knows our hurt places. He, he knows the dreams and hopes. Why? Because he, he put those dreams and hopes in us. And so if we will listen, I believe that God will speak. It's about posturing ourselves in humility, posturing ourselves in surrender. And if we do that, God's going to begin to speak into your life. And now you're going to become a prophetic voice. Why? Because you have a prophetic ear. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God would raise up another generation with prophetic imagination who speak words of truth and grace with boldness? And I think that would be my prayer. In fact, right now, Lord, I pray for everybody listening. Would you give us 
an ear to hear your still small voice, that voice of love, that voice of joy, that voice of peace. And God, as you begin to speak to us, even to the inner ear right now, right now there's someone that your, your life has been out of balance. Did you know that it's the inner ear, the inner ear that's responsible for balance? And the Lord is recalibrating you and bringing a balance back to your life just by speaking into your ear right now. Would you receive that word? And God, I pray that you would raise us up, not just to be people who regurgitate what others are saying, but to be those who really hear the voice of God, that we would get our revelation from you and that that's where our confidence would come from. And so Lord, raise up a generation of prophets who hear that whisper and then declare it from the mountaintops in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Mark, what you're talking about is something that's so powerful so powerful because I love what you just said, that God speaks in, a, in billions of dialects. God knows how to speak to you, each and every person, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances are, God has his voice for you. And he only speaks to you in that, you know, Cody, Cody, my son can come to me. I know his voice. I know his footsteps. Mm. Kaylin, I know when Kaylin walks in the room, <laughs> I know their voices. And God has his, he has a Lori voice, you know? He knows <laughs> me so intimately. And I love that, Mark, because what you're saying is that we, if we can hear the voice of God, that still small voice, that still whisper, it can change your life. It can change the way you get up in the morning. It can change the way you go through your day. It can change the people all around you. It can change your community. It can change your city. It can change your world. And that is super important that we hear it, Mark. Hmm. Lori, that, that, I mean, people are hearing and responding to that right now. Could I... Could I take a calculated risk? We're living in this interesting world where I'd rather be in studio with you because I love both of you and we love being together. But because we're in our unique spaces, I just feel like to compliment Whisper, we wrote this little children's book. Yes. And listen, all of us have an inner child. None of us outgrow the, the desire to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. Could I just grab it off of a Please. shelf and just read the last two pages. Okay, Please okay, I'm, I, here we go. I love it, okay. I see it back there. I love this. We have <laughs> and, this big And it's literally, oh, like it's it literally it this, this close. And I so um, I just, I just feel like sometimes we have to get back in touch with our inner child. Yeah. And so I just want to read these last two pages and, and they were written for young children with beautiful illustrations, mm -hmm. but I don't, the oldest person listening to this is still ready to receive it. And so above all else, know this is true, that God is singing all around you. And what is he saying in that voice still and small? that you, my dear, are his favorite of all. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> so beautiful? You are 
You are his favorite of all. Oh, oh, but Mark, that how can that be? There's there's billions of us. Well, we forget that God doesn't exist within these four space-time dimensions that we do. And uh, he is somehow able to love all of us unconditionally and infinitely. He couldn't love you. Any- you know what? He doesn't just love you. He likes you. God <laughs> likes you. And he loves you. And so I think that's some good news today. So beautiful. Wow. So beautiful. If we can only hear the whisper, we can repeat the words of God and that changes people. It reminds me of that old adage that hurt people hurt people. Well, what about if we tune in to the voice of love? God is love and he's constantly trying to woo people to him through that love. We can't repeat the words if we're tone deaf to those words. Whisper gets us on our way. Mark Batterson. We love you, Mark. Uh, I'm pretty sure you Amazing. are his favorite. Yeah. And uh, you're one of my favorites. <laughs> and uh, uh, we appreciate you writing. You're a good writer. Let me be a voice to you. Keep keep, keep that job going. You're good at it. Don't stop and, writing. Uh, and get Whisper. Mark, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.